0: digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now, and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF, and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? The Kakadu
1: Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? P.R. No one's drinking a kakadoo smoothie? I'm J.B. Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited to availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details.
2: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey and welcome to the podcast. I'm MC Josh, Josh Clark. There's Chuck Bryant and then Jerry's the DJ on the wheels of steel
1: of Stuff You Should Know, the podcast. And that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today.
0: (laughs) No, it doesn't. I couldn't even feign surprise. I know it has nothing to do with it. I was just being silly. I
1: know. You like it. I love it. (laughs) Silly Josh is one of my top five favorite Joshes. Is it? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So
0: I guess you're feeling pretty good today. Jerry, you are too? Yeah, she says yeah, everybody. Yeah. Um, The reason we're feeling good is because there are fewer just simple pleasures in life than researching and talking about animals. Agreed. It's one of my favorite s y s k. Episode categories is animal ones.
1: Yeah. And it sort of – I picked this one out and it sort of dawned on me. It had been a minute. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes these are some of our lighter lifts because we have some really great House of Works articles on animals. Yeah. And insects. So it doesn't require like, you know, another 20 hours of research on stuff. Yeah. Uh, and we needed a lighter lift this week. And I was like, hey, it's been a while. I was perusing. I saw walruses. Mm-hmm. And they're so darn cute and and lovable. I thought, all right, well, we gotta get in there on this.
0: Yeah, plus this is a Jennifer Horton joint. And remember she used to be like the in house animal writer. Oh, was it? Yeah, she she does I remember pretty, Jennifer. pretty good work, yeah. I
1: wonder what happened to her. I don't know.
0: But she left behind a legacy that includes an article on walruses.
1: Yeah, and I will go ahead and say up front, this is now in the running for me. With uh, a little competition between the octopus wow. and the uh, jellyfish.
0: Okay. Well, then this is what we're going to do. You're going to go, um, <laughs> that's all I can think of, Okay. when, um, when a fact comes up that you're like, this is one of the reasons why they're in competition. Okay. Okay? All right. Oh, and before we get started, also, before we get started, sorry, Um, I want to give a big shout-out to our pals at The Daily Zeitgeist, one of our sister podcasts. They had me on yesterday. I know. I haven't listened to it yet. How was it? It was pretty great. Like, they make it really easy on you. Yeah. Um They're like, here, read all of these articles that we're potentially going to talk about and study them for five hours, just like <laughs> you do stuff you should know. And then we're not going to talk about any of those. <laughs> Not a single article that I researched. Oh, no. Did we talk about? But I managed to keep up anyway. That's how easy those guys make it. So thank you to Jack and Miles and Anna for, for having me. And I guess when you're hearing this, by yesterday, I mean March 5th. So go back right. and listen to the March 5th episode of Daily Zeitgeist, and then listen to all the episodes of Daily Zeitgeist.
1: Yeah, I saw that they had a uh, out cardboard cutout of you sitting in a chair, which was kind of funny.
0: Yeah, it is funny. But then I'm like, what are you guys doing with a cardboard cutout of me? <laughs> I think they probably made it for this, I, right? I guess, but I didn't. That's they got a big budget then. <laughs> We don't have a budget for cardboard cutouts.
1: No, but I'm glad you gave me the uh, inside skinny because I'm going to be on at some point, and now I'm going to say, "Hey, don't don't do that crap you did with Josh." Right. I'm not reading a bunch of stuff unless we're doing it.
0: Yeah. No. No. Just show up. Okay. Just show up, relaxed and prepared
1: to talk, and you will be great. Uh, so the other thing I had to say of the two things, mm-hmm. running in for my favorite animal. Okay. And uh, another movie prediction. From apparently, I'm the great movie predictor, or just life predictor. Sure, uh, Pixar, get on it, because if you don't do a lovable story about a family of walruses at some point, mm-hmm. then someone else is going to beat you to the punch. Maybe us, and it's going to be great because there's nothing cuter. Just look up on your on your favorite image uh, search: walrus calf, yeah, and mother, or just walrus calf. And get ready to be outcuted by most other animals.
0: Like, they're so cute, they can make you forget that you're watching them live in captivity.
1: <laughs> That's how cute those things are. No, some of these are photographed in the wild.
0: Yeah, the, the videos that I've seen of calves are mostly the one that was born at SeaWorld. It was like the uh, first walrus born in captivity, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Right. He is just as cute as the day is long. Yeah but not small, I mean like it's it's like our size, yeah, they're not small, no, so like apparently, here's a fact for you okay but i'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you the chance to do your um heraldry
1: okay, right, I'm not gonna make any sounds
0: all right, cool um <laughs> the uh, walrus calf is born born no less than ninety nine pounds and up to a hundred and sixty five pounds born. How much? 99 to 165 pounds. And for our friends outside of the United States and Liberia, that's 45 to 75 kilograms born.
1: Yeah. So a, a a mother, a cow, walrus cow, she's hoping for a 99 pounder. Right. For the ease of birth.
0: Right. Because they only get up to like a 100 pounds. Yeah. So they're like all calf.
1: <laughs> and they're all water births, though.
0: No, they're icebergs.
1: Oh, are they? I was kind of curious about that.
0: Yeah. All right. We'll get it. We're getting ahead of ourselves. I'm getting excited.
1: All right. We we should go back to the beginning. Who invented (laughs) walruses? (laughs) (laughs) They were invented by the guy who invented sea monkeys. Uh, Which just dropped today. Yeah, that was a good one. It was. All right. So should we go to – by beginning, we just mean – we're going to talk about walruses.
0: Well, how about this? We could talk about where they came from because um, walruses live and they're very, very isolated. Sure. And as they exist today, there's two species. And I guess they're really subspecies, but they can't mate and they're geographically isolated. So they're they're technically two different species. Can they not um, mate
1: because they're not near each other or
0: their parts don't fit? Jennifer Horton, I don't know. She just says that they're um, reproductively isolated, which means... They can't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so they can't I, hug and kiss. I don't right, exactly. I don't know if that means that that yeah, like their parts don't fit, or. But she says they're they're geographically isolated too. So why would you also say that if you know they were one and the same? So that's just insult to injury. I guess. I guess so. But there are two groups subspecies or species of walruses, the the Pacific walrus and the Atlantic walrus. Yes. And they're both related. I think they di- diverged as recently as like half a million years ago. It's like 500,000 years ago. There used to be a lot of different walrus species. Now there's just the two. Um, but at some point, they all descended from uh, in the, an- the same ancestor of red pandas. So walruses are related to red pandas just a little... F- Back on the family tree. Wow. And they're even more related to red pandas than they would be to, say, like, manatees, which you'd be like, well, manatees and walruses, same thing. Nope. Not even remotely related.
1: I thought you were going to say Wilfred Brimley. (laughs)
0: He's (laughs) one. Or Friedrich Nietzsche.
1: (laughs) Oh, does he have the walrus mustache?
0: Yeah. Or Yosemite Sam.
1: Yeah. And then there was uh, the professional golfer, Craig Stadler. I don't remember him. He, uh, he's probably on the senior tour now, but he was, his nickname was the walrus.
0: Well, he would need to look out for Jack Nicholas, whose nickname was the golden bear. <laughs>
1: yeah, they, they didn't get
0: along. So, oh, really? Did they not? No, life? no, no, I'm kidding. Oh.
1: <laughs> that would be the polar bear.
0: Yeah, any, I, I guess so. So the today, Chuck, there are walruses in the north of the Pacific and the north of the Atlantic, around basically the Arctic. Yes, and there's the Pacific walruses and the, the, the Atlantic walruses.
1: Yeah, the Pacific, uh, the differentiation here, the, the males are generally bigger, uh, between nine and 12 feet and roughly 1700 pounds and about 4000 at the top, top end. Right. Uh, women, women, <laughs> females, the ladies are about seven and a half feet to 10 feet, 400 to 1250 for the Pacific. The Atlantic males are a little smaller. They top out around the low end of the Pacific and mm-hmm. about two thousand pounds. And uh, the ladies are shorter and a little heavier and about eight feet.
0: So right. about
1: the same length, but a little little heavier.
0: Yeah. So they're they're big mamajamas. I mean eight hundred to seventeen hundred kilograms for Pacific males. That's, that's, big. that's that is that's those are big boys. Um and they're all they're all members of the uh, order Pinnipedia. Mm-hmm. So they're related to seals and sea lions. And their Latin name, their scientific name, is Otobenus rosmaris, which means – are you ready for this? Yeah. Tooth-walking seahorse. That's great. And the name walrus, too, by the way, is a Danish word.
1: Yeah, and of that order, uh, pinnipedia, they're the second largest only to the elephant seal. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're the only one that have those tusks, those – Hallmark tusks of the walrus um, on the male jutting down. Well, females have them too, but on the male jutting down from that big uh, Yosemite Sam mustache. Right. Part of what makes them so cute.
0: Yeah, so those tusks, and I was looking up what the difference between a tusk and a tooth is. I think once it really kind of protrudes from the mouth, it becomes a tusk. But their tusks are just overgrown canines, canine teeth um, that grow up to, I think, about a meter or three feet long.
1: That's crazy long.
0: It is, and they can do all sorts of stuff with that, right? So because walruses are so isolated, they're so far north, so far away from most humans, um, they have been little studied scientifically, although of the two groups, we know the most about the Pacific walrus. But <clears throat> the stuff we do know has been largely guesses. Like it, only very recently did we figure out that they don't use their tusks to eat 'Cause they eat like um seashells, like mollusks and uh clams and other bivalves, right? Mm-hmm. And they used to think that the walruses either use their tusks to like root out clams and, and mollusks off of the seafloor, or they use them to pry open shells. Well both of those are wrong. It turns out they don't use their tusks for much except to menace one another when they're trying to establish dominance.
1: Yeah, that's, that's one of the things they can do, but, um, I think you used a good word there, menace. They don't try and kill one another with their tusks. No. Uh, they like to jab at one another and establish dominance as a, like, Hey, I'm, I've got bigger tusks. I'm larger than you. Uh, but they're not, first of all, they're protected. They have this really thick skin around their neck and shoulders. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're protected in a sense and they're not looking to kill one another either.
0: Right. But they do, I mean, they do draw blood when they jab each other. So they have the their their little technique is they <clears throat> they lean their heads back like so, mm-hmm. so that their tusks are parallel with the earth. Yes. And then they go, <laughs> <laughs> ninja strike, right? Yeah. And they'll draw a little blood and they'll even like leave scars. But like you said, their necks are so protected with blubber, it's like it, it, it mainly is just to, to make a point. And the point typically is move from what i can understand.
1: Yeah, they also will use their tusks sometimes to break through ice uh to breathe. Uh and then this one cute cute move. If they're swimming around, they're tired, they might uh stick their head through and hook their tusks onto the ice and just mm-hmm. hang there for a bit. Yeah, which is pretty great.
0: Yeah, they have these sacs, pharyngeal sacs that allow them to to kind of buoy upright, keep their head upright above water. But I would guess that that gets tiring after a while and eventually just let the old teeth do it, you know?
1: Yeah. And like I said, the ladies have them too, but the males are longer and stronger, a little bit straighter uh, and they can grow. I mean, a walrus can live up to 30 years and the tusks may grow for about half of that life.
0: Yeah. I saw 30. I also saw 40 somewhere that's, that they can live up to 40.
1: All right. That's one of the things. I'm not going to make the noise. Oh. But anytime animals live a long time with one another, yeah, um, that that kind of gets me.
0: Yeah, and th- I I found this very fascinating about walruses, man. They are um, very social creatures. Mm-hmm. Like they hang out together. They like swim around together. Um, the the boys rest together for you know months at a time or weeks at a time sometimes as during certain times of the year, but they live. Um, Apart from one another, males and females, they only come together to mate. And then they say, okay, this has been really great. I'll see you next year. Yeah. I'll see you at camp next year. It's very interesting.
1: As far as the rest of their body, um, they're mostly dark brown, uh, although I don't want to give it away. But they can change color depending on what they're doing, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, this is one of the situations where they – it's a kind of a big clunky creature on land. Uh, but once you get them in the water – then they're just so graceful, which is a really lovely thing to see.
0: Yeah, and when they walk on land, so they turn their flippers out, their front flippers. They have two pair, right? Mm-hmm. So they turn the front flippers out to their side and just kind of use that for side-to-side stability, and they put their back flippers underneath their pelvis, and they use that to kind of propel themselves forward. It's it's very cute.
1: Yeah, and because they're on ice, their flippers um, are have, like, rough bottoms, like a shoe sole almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the water, it's kind of a reverse boat thing. They don't steer from the rear. They use those front flippers for steering and obviously power themselves with those super strong uh, alternating back flippers. It's
0: like one of those uh, ships the hides use to scow. Oh, yeah. Remember? Yeah, that's right. So it's basically the walrus of the river boats.
1: Yeah, and these guys can swim. They says they average about four and a half miles an hour. I think that's just when they're kind of cruising. But they can swim as fast as 20 to 25 miles an hour if, I guess, they're fleeing something even though they don't really have many predators. No, they don't. They
0: basically have two, don't they?
1: Well, including humans.
0: They have three, don't they? (laughs) Okay. What are they? Uh, Oh, okay. Well, if you want to talk predators, they have polar bears, as you said earlier. Oh, right. Sure. Killer whales. Mm -hmm. And then humans. Right. Right. But that's one of the reasons why they've been so successful. And we'll talk about that, uh, how successful and whether or not they're thriving or stable or whatever. Spoiler, they are. uh, Right after this, huh? A A A A
2: A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.
3: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast.
0: All right, Chuck, we're back. That's right. And if you've ever, <laughs> have you ever seen, did you notice in any of the videos that a walrus up close, what like in their face?
1: What do you mean? Like what So part?
0: their eyes in particular, they have like pug eyes. You know, pug's eyes look like they're about to pop at any minute. Yeah, they always looked a little surprised. <laughs> yeah. I really didn't cool. know if it's because there was a camera on them all of a sudden. <laughs> it could have been. I was looking up uh, walrus intelligence because, you know, there's a lot of videos uh, about walruses, where they're they're saying like you know whistle or speak or whatever, because mm. as we'll see, walruses can make a lot of cool noises. And the walruses do the different things, so they're obviously trainable, which means that there's some level of intelligence. But I couldn't find anything about like, oh yeah, these guys are as intelligent as an octopus or a right. pig or something. Couldn't find anything like that. But they are trainable, huh. as anyone who's seen the screen classic Fifty First Dates can tell you. <laughs> I don't think I saw that. That's a good one, actually.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah. Sandler and uh, Drew Barrymore, right? Mm-hmm. Where does the walrus fit in?
0: He is like a marine biologist gotcha. who specializes, at, uh, I think, in walruses or something like that. No, because he's got penguin friends, too. But anyway, there's a, a <laughs> trained walrus that factors into it. Oh, I'll have to check that out. It's actually a pretty cute movie.
1: Hey, you got me at, at Adam Sandler and walrus.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, so these guys and ladies are, uh, like you said, all over the Arctic. Um If we're talking Pacific, we're talking the Bering Sea, uh the Chukchi, which shout out to my friend Max Goldman. I just saw on Facebook this morning. He had a great picture of himself staring out at the icy Chukchi Sea. Wow. Well, uh, my only Alaskan friend.
0: It sounds really cool.
1: Yeah, it was really gorgeous. And I said something about, hey, I was just reading about this and... Of course, he's on Alaska time, so he probably hasn't woken up yet. He's like, I can see Russia from my house. <laughs> he might. Uh, and then the Laptev Sea in the Pacific. Uh And then along the coast of Canada, on the Atlantic side, in Greenland, mm-hmm. is where you're going to find uh the other guys. And we're talking 250 total walruses, about 200,000 of which are Pacific. Yeah. two Yeah.
0: 250,000 total.
1: Which doesn't sound like a lot, but. Again, we'll get to it later, but but they're doing okay.
0: Yeah, they really seem to be, don't they?
1: Yeah, we don't want people to worry too much about the walrus.
0: So, so back to the walrus's pug eyes, right? Yes, they um, kind of protrude, and you'd think, wow, that walrus can see all over the place. It, it's doing a three sixty with its eye right now. Um, not necessarily; they're actually not the best at seeing, but they don't need to be because. Their other organs are more evolved to kind of make up for it. They they um, hunt and uh, can smell out predators using their nose, mm-hmm. I think is probably their primary sense from what I understand.
1: Well, yeah, and their ears. They can hear uh, – they have these two little uh, kind of flap ears, mm-hmm. basically openings with a little protective flap. And uh, they can hear things like – Perhaps prey up to a mile away.
0: Yeah, so I was looking for that. Did you did you see that anywhere else? No. It was one of those ones that raised a red flag for really? me because I looked all over and was like seeing just that. That yeah, they can hear for up to a mile away. The closest thing I saw that proved that was demonstrations by um Arctic natives who would make like a walrus call and like a, a walrus like a mile away would respond to it.
1: They said, Hey walrus. And the walrus looked around. Said, You talking to me?
0: <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh,
1: is that how they talk?
0: Yeah. It's like <laughs> Southern gentlemen. They have that high cotton accent.
1: <laughs> I don't even know what that means.
0: That's a southern thing, like um well, there's a bar in Charleston called High Cotton. So oh, that's really? what I always think of. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. So their noses though is where that's their money maker. Um, they have uh, it's very sensitive. Um, Like you said, they used to think that they use their tusks, or I don't know if you said it, but they used to think they use their tusks to uh, grind into the seafloor yeah, yeah. and dig things up. But that is not the case. They are blowing out of their nose to clear away stuff and stir up uh, things to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those whiskers, those, uh, what do you say, you call those vibrissae, vibrissae. Sure. 400 to 700 of those uh, in 13 to 15 rows, not only do they look cute, and like a big walrus mustache, right? but they are super sensitive.
0: Yeah, so that's like their tactile sense then, these little whiskers, the sensitive whiskers. And they use those, so they shoot water out of their nose mm-hmm. into the bottom of the sea, and it stirs up some stuff. The clams are like, stop, stop, and they start to float up. And the walruses sense the clams with their their whiskers, their vibrissae, or whatever you call them. And then... Things get even weirder, right? Because remember, they don't use their tusks to open the clams. They um, don't use their tusks to burrow. Their tusks actually appear to kind of get in the way, if anything, uh, as far as feeding is concerned. What they do is they they are they have a very high cavity in their mouth, and they can pump their tongue back and forth like a piston. Yeah. So they actually produce. A form of suction so strong, it sucks a clam right out of the shell.
1: <laughs> so cool.
0: Right. The clam has, as they can't say anything.
1: Yeah. That poor clam. They're just hanging out down there before you know it. They get snotted, snotted on right. and sucked out. Yep. And a lot of them too.
0: It's a very undignified ending for the clam.
1: Yeah. It says in here, and I didn't find backup for this, but I believe it is that that suction is so powerful. They've been known to suck holes in plywood in I captivity. Saw that.
0: Yeah, I saw that elsewhere too. That yeah. they've had like five pound plugs in some of their aquatic, um, like habitats that they've sucked out of the floor. That's crazy. Also known as the floor, <laughs> the flower. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So they do have that was your just, high cotton accent,
0: right? <laughs> out of the floor, so they they do have like that uh, some amazing suction going on, and they don't even chew. They have these amazing like three foot teeth. They don't even chew with any of them. They just eat a clam whole. And I think, did you say 3,000 to 6,000 of them in a sitting?
1: No, I said a whole lot.
0: That's a lot.
1: Yeah, they said that they can eat um between 4 and 6% uh, of their body weight each day. So let's just say an average 3,000-pound walrus eating about 5%. That's 150 pounds a day of not just clams. Um, they're not super picky. Anything down there, sea worms, snails, crabs, uh, they'll eat all that stuff. But I get the feeling... That they really love those clams.
0: Yeah, they like the clams the most, as they should. But think about that: if there's two hundred and fifty thousand walruses in the world, mm-hmm. all basically up in the Arctic, yeah. and each one is eating I something know. like three thousand to six thousand clams a day, how have clams not taken over the world by now?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's um, <clears throat> it, that you know, uh, the comedian Nate Bargatze. Yes, I do. He had that funny joke about a million sharks a year are killed. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, I didn't know there's ever been a million sharks in the history of the world. <laughs> right. Like, he's like, that just sounds like a lot of sharks. Yeah. Uh, except Nate does it great because his delivery is uh, that of a professional comedian. Mm-hmm. And, and that high cotton accent. And not me. <laughs> well, he is from Tennessee. There you go. Uh So they're eating, Geez, I mean, I can't even do the math, 250,000 times 4,000.
0: Uh, there uh, equals um a ton.
1: And we're still able to... Dip our crostini in clam juice at so, an Italian dinner.
0: Do you like clams? Sure. I'm more of an oyster guy.
1: Oh, no, I like them both.
0: I like to be turned on by my food, you
1: know? Well, I mean, <laughs> I definitely love oysters and will never not order them if it's at a place with a good chance of having good ones. Sure. But, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll dip into a clam shell. Well, you put clams
0: in your Bloody Mary mix.
1: Oh, yeah. Clamato. Mm hmm. Sure. That's clam juice. Yeah. Oh man, I, I could kick it up a notch if I put a couple of clams in there. Yeah. Not in the shell, but just like pick the meat out.
0: Well, yeah, alive. Have them like live in there for
1: a little while. <laughs> Get used to that vodka. <laughs> <laughs> they do live up by Russia. I bet there's been more than one beach bar called the Drunken Clam. There's got to be.
0: Isn't there like a? I think that's the that's the bar on The Family Guy. Oh, is it? I'm pretty sure. Oh, we're going to find out if it's not. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like we've gone a little off the rails. Should we take a break? Or can we pull it back without it?
1: Uh, well, quickly, let's talk about the third potential breed. Um, there is another subspecies that is not officially a subspecies mm-hmm. um, that lives in the Laptev Sea near Siberia called the Laptev walrus. Mm-hmm. And apparently their skull... And body size is pretty similar to the Atlantic and the Pacific. Um, and I'm not sure why it wants its own distinction, but they haven't been recognized as such.
0: No, despite the protests.
1: Yeah, I mean, they must be different enough in some way.
0: Yeah, I saw some people see them as a different species. Other people just do not. I'm not sure what the deal is. Maybe they're isolated themselves. I don't know. I don't know either. Now you want to take a break? Yeah. Okay.
2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.
3: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Reality Podcast.
1: All right, so one of the other things that I love, insert whatever sound effect is in your head, listener, uh, is that they are very, and this is the same deal with the elephant and any creature that's very sensitive and caring uh, to one another, uh, they will watch over their injured friends. Mm-hmm. Um, if one of them dies, they will push them off the ice if hunters are nearby so they can't get them. Um, the ladies will, uh, and this is so sad, but the ladies will carry their du- uh, dead young away from hunters. Right. And if they sense that there are dudes nearby, these hunter men nearby, um, they can hack away at ice to break it away and free, uh, like, a calf that might be stuck or something. Yeah. They could really take care of each other.
0: It's been documented. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They're very sensitive creatures, it turns out. So... Um, I don't think we could talk about walruses if we didn't talk about blubber, right? Yes. So you said that, um, it's pretty thick. Mm-hmm. I think that's an understatement, Chuck. The, the, the blubber layer on a walrus is something like about almost four inches, 10 centimeters thick. And during the winter, when they're at their blubberiest, it's about a third of their body weight. So they might have like a thousand pounds of fat in, in their body at any given point in time. Which is is pretty. You got to tip your hat to that.
1: Well, yeah, and this, you know, of course, this is a an, an a- adaptation to deal with the temperatures where they live. Uh, mm-hmm. Keeps them warm. Uh, apparently, they lose heat twenty seven times faster in water, and they are in water. uh What what is it like two thirds of their life or something like that? Yeah. So they have this remarkable blubber to keep that body temperature at about ninety eight degrees, ninety seven point nine degrees. Pretty consistently.
0: Right. So you were saying you were alluding earlier to how they can change color. Here's how. You ready? Yes. When they're in the water for a while or when they're exposed to really, really cold temperatures, their um, their their body pumps blood away from their skin and sends it to their core to keep their internal organs warm because the skin doesn't need to be as warm as, say, the internal organs. It's a survival mechanism, right? Yeah. And then once they start to warm up, when that happens, they they turn kind of white, like like a white worm kind of thing going on. Did you ever see that movie, The Lair of the White Worm?
1: No, but that sounds familiar.
0: It was an early Hugh Grant movie where, like, there's this <laughs> group in, uh, in England that, like, worship this white worm that comes out, like, every century or something like that. It's like a, a weird English horror movie huh. that is also kind of funny in some ways. It's a good one. But anyway, that's what a walrus looks like when it's really, really cold. <laughs> like Hugh Grant. Yeah. But white,
1: super white. He's about as white as it gets. These guys get even <laughs> whiter because they're very, very cold. That's right. And then once they get back to like where the sun is shining or maybe back on the ice where it's <laughs> uh, ironically slightly warmer, mm-hmm. um, their color can come back. They're, they're still brown, but they can get a little bit more of a pinky look to them.
0: Uh, they can, they can, with that blubber, they can handle water that's like down to negative four degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. to something like negative 20 Celsius. And they, I mean, like you said, they spend two thirds of their life in water this cold. They live in the Arctic, so they're pretty well suited for it.
1: Well, negative four is the low end. It can go all the way down to negative 59. Wow. That's nutty. Wow. Uh, and they do have little hairs uh, that they shed in the summer, but mm-hmm. it's, pretty much everyone is in agreement that it doesn't really do much to keep them warm.
0: It's left over from when they were bears. That's my theory.
1: I, it probably is. Yeah. Uh, so they have another cool adaptation. Um, they can go a long time without oxygen. And this is all had, has to do with how they circulate oxygen in their blood. So uh, when they dive, they actually slow their heart rate down, and then that blood, again, Goes to those organs because they need oxygen and warmth, and uh, they also have a, a special protein in their blood called myoglobin mm-hmm. that binds with the oxygen and then actually stores it in the muscles.
0: Right. So they have plenty of oxygen whenever they're they're diving. How how deep do they dive? I can't remember. Oh.
1: It said they they feed I think from between like thirty something and one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy five feet. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But they. They prefer it a little shallower because one of the worries with global warming is the sea ice is retreating and going away. Right. So they're having to go further and further north to, uh, get to the sea ice, uh, which means that the waters are deeper. So they're having to learn how to, how to dive deeper to feed. And, um, you know, that's just one of the effects of global warming is sometimes the moms will get separated from their calves yeah. because it's such a long journey. And they don't know, like, are they going to be able to adapt and learn to dive that deep to hunt for food?
0: Right. And, and it's, yeah, it's not just, um, where they where they hunt for food from like these are it's kind of like their little base right so when when they're on ice or an ice flow they'll dive for food they'll come back up they'll rest that's where they sleep um, that's where moms and their calves rest sometimes they nurse there it's where um, cows give birth to calves there's like ice plays a very very important role in the walrus's life so much so that in the pacific walrus the the females basically just follow the edge of the ice north in the summer and then come back down south in the winter as the ice kind of, like, ebbs and flows, right, toward right. the North Pole. Um, and, and as it doesn't retreat as far down, it's just, it's messing with their program a little bit, like you said, not just with food, but also with just typical regular behavior.
1: Yeah, I bet in a lot of these cases, too, there's got to be just some, like, confusion, you know? Yeah. Like, if you're, for however many millions of years you've been used to the same thing, and if all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, like, where are we going now? They're like, I'm just a walrus. <laughs> your your world
0: frightens and confuses me. What happened to the accent? Uh, that, well, this is a different walrus. Okay. This is Ted the walrus. <laughs> uh,
1: also, that pharyngeal uh, muscle that you were talking about, which can they can puff up to kind of buoy them, uh, they also will puff that up. To, uh, close off water from entering their lungs when they dive.
0: Right. Pretty so, amazing. Let's talk about those pharyngeal sacs because they're, they are pretty amazing. There's a lot of stuff they can do with those. First of all, walruses make some of the coolest sounds of any animal I've ever heard. Yeah. There's a clip on YouTube. Just type in walrus sounds and there's one that comes up and it's just a static picture of a big old gigantic walrus. Um, what do they call them? Are they called
1: bulls? Well, if they call them cows and calves, uh, probably, but I didn't see bulls anywhere.
0: A, a dude walrus, mm-hmm. right? Just a big boy. And um it's about two and a half minutes of just the best walrus sounds. And it's actually, in a really weird way, kind of soothing. Like, you can have it on in the background. I noticed I, I retained 12% more information while it was playing oh, wow. and I did when I wasn't listening to uh-huh. it, right? I just made that statistic up. Sure. But you get the point. And well, can we play some of it? Yeah, can we do that? Sure, we can. Jerry's nodding, and she All right. and she rolled her eyes. Well, here's like <laughs> twenty twenty seconds of some some good walrus sounds. So 10, 20 seconds, who knows what it been out to
1: Well, me. we can only use 10 because of, uh, rights issues.
0: Oh, okay. You don't gotcha. want to get sued
1: by the Walrus Association.
0: Right, exactly. I'm Ted Walrus and I've had enough of this getting pushed around. <laughs> so, um, the, the, the way that the walrus or one of the ways the walrus makes so many different sounds is because of these pharyngeal sacs that they use to buoy themselves with. They use it also as an amplifier and they, they make all these sounds when they're mating with women. That's right. So you remember how the females in the Pacific go north in the summer and then come back in the winter. Mm-hmm. On their way back, they meet up with the guys who generally stay south in the Bering Sea the whole, whole year. Um, and that's just Pacific. The Atlantic ones stay put year-round, both ma- males and females. But as the Pacific females are coming back, mating season uh, is timed perfectly with that. And they will sit in groups of about 20 or 23 on a, a big chunk of ice and say, dudes, let's see what you got.
1: Yeah. And then the little Gilligan's Island talent show starts. <laughs> and they literally line up out there, give each other a little space. They fight for that prime spot. Yeah, they'll tusk. Yeah, that's when they get a little aggressive and the poor always feel bad for the guy, like on the back row or whatever. Like do He's got to really ramp up his vocalization, I guess.
0: <laughs> and he's like, my tusk broke. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he's probably got a lady out there who likes that. I hope so. Uh, but they do. They, they kind of perform for them. They do a little routine and the ladies are like, you, um, sexually mature man who I think, uh, they reach, the male reaches sexual maturity at about eight to 10, females five to six, but this is adorable. They still don't hug and kiss until a few years after. Right. Just cause they just, I don't know. They want to do it the right way, I think.
0: That, um, that we don't have to take our clothes off song is one of the <laughs> walrus's <laughs> favorite songs of all time. They're really big into promise rings.
1: <laughs> uh, but friendship bracelets first. Sure. Uh, so the female has a gestation period of about 15 months. So this is a big deal. Um, you know, they're, they're pregnant for a long time. So they want to hook up with the right dude, uh, to get them pregnant, depending on when it (laughs) falls, depending on when it falls in the cycle, they may even sit that out if they're pregnant, you know, like they may take a year off.
0: Yeah. They're like, uh, I'm good. (laughs) I'm covered. But that is it's a thing like if if a if a cow is pregnant come next mating season. Right. Like you said she's going to kind of hang off to the side and wait for her friends to be done so they can keep going south. Um but that actually is going to have an impact on her calf because right. she's going to spend more time raising it and nursing
1: it. Yeah, which is really great. Like if if that happens and the timing works out, they can they can be with their young for up to a couple of years. Yeah. Which is really sweet.
0: I think like a, a a male calf. So remember males and females, they separate. They only come together during mating season. And then if you're a a male calf that's born, you're hanging out with your mom for a year or two years, depending on the timing of a pregnancy. And then you go off with the male herd Mm -hmm. and say, what up boys? I'm here. It's party.
1: And they said, get at the back of the line.
0: Yeah. I saw that it's, this sounds so adorable. That very young um, walrus calves, boys, will practice that tusking thing. Oh, really? Even before their tusks are grown out. So they mess around <sighs> with each other like, I'm going to tusk you when my tusks come in. Look. I'd love to see
1: that. It's like little goats before they get their horns. Yeah. They can do the same cute. thing when they just have those little nubs.
0: They just walk around with headaches all the time. <laughs>
1: Uh, I have goats that live across the street from me. I don't think I've told you that.
0: Satanic goats or cute goats?
1: No, cutest. Okay. Good Christian goats. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're great. They, um, I'm not sure what the, uh, Pat, my neighbor across the street had like seven or eight of them last year
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they went away for the winter and now she has a new batch. Uh, and she's, no, no, no. She's Jamaican and I think what someone said in the neighborhood is that she's, keeps these goats around and then, uh, raises them and then has them shipped to Jamaica as like a, a charitable thing.
0: What, right, where they're eaten. I
1: don't know if they're eaten.
0: I'm pretty sure.
1: I'm not sure, but this is a new batch of goats, and of course, you know, my kid loves it.
0: Yeah, I love goats, too. Little baby goats, it's baby lambs. I saw, um, you, me, and I watched this documentary called The Secret Life of Dogs. Have you seen it? Mm, no. It's from 2013. I think BBC originally made it. If you get a... A membership with Curiosity, a subscription on of, on Curiosity on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. It's on there. It's the only place I've found it, I think.
1: Is it a sub thing I have to join? Because I'm already on the Prime. Yes, it is. It's oh, okay. an extra subscription. Gotcha. But there,
0: it's like a seven day trial or something like that. Like, so. are
1: you really curious? Are
0: you willing right. to pay for it? <laughs> right. <laughs> so they, they have the secret. Just check it out, Chuck. You're going to love it. Um, it's just a really well made documentary, but in part of it, there's this, this herding dog, some sort of shepherd, um, that bottle feeds a baby lamb. Ugh. Holding a bottle in her mouth, this little lamb is nursing off of the bottle. It's one of the most adorable things you'll ever see in your entire life.
1: Well, I think we've agreed in the past that uh, interanimal mingling and coupling and friendship is the best thing in the world.
0: Maybe not coupling, but the rest of it. Agreed. Well, yeah,
1: I don't mean like. Uh, <laughs> I just mean in a friendly way.
0: Do you, uh, one of the other. Uh, there's just one more thing about this. The the woman who uh, owns the dog, or who I should say, is best friends with this dog, said. I didn't teach her this. She picked this up herself. Wow. Yeah. And I just dropped the mic as you can see.
1: I probably watched 25 minutes the other day of, um, of baby pigs playing with, uh, puppies. Oh, that's adorable. It's, it's pretty great.
0: Man. Uh, okay. So, so back to <laughs> walruses.
1: Yeah. Back to reproduction. Um, this is kind of really cool. Actually for the first up to five months of gestation, the eggs, Aren't even implanting yet. So they just float around in the uterus for up to five months and then eventually will implant on the uterine wall. And they think this is all done on purpose so that the calf is, uh, born at, at the right time in the best environment possible.
0: Yeah. I just, I thought that was a weird adaptation. Like, why not just have a shorter gestation time or, but I don't I, know, man. I guess they got to figured out. I'm Mother not going I'm not going to pry. Yeah. So the so again, it's 15 month gestation period, and the calves are born usually on ice, which again, melting ice is a, a problem for them. Um, and then they stick around for a year or two, go off to the male herd, and then you've got the males and the females. And the the females migrate in the Pacific; the males generally stay around the same area, which means that they move to land when the ice recedes. And there's actually this island uh in Alaska called Round Island that's very famous for being a, a, a walrus summering area where for a couple of a couple of weeks, I think, every summer, and for reasons no one knows, the walrus males all just come to this one island and there'll be like twelve thousand of them just on top of one another, hanging out. Um just basically being social having a having a boys week that's great it and, is. and it's
1: so like dense with walruses you it's wall to wall walrus you can't see the the sand or not the sand but is there sand or is it just ice
0: it is sand or okay. no it's i'm sorry it's a, i read that it's rocky i haven't actually seen it myself um, but you can't you can't see anything beneath the walruses it's just walrus flesh and blubber
1: yeah there's this one uh if you ever drive up the coast of california I'm gonna butcher this because I don't remember what the animal was, if it's a uh uh a manatee. It's probably not a manatee. I think it's sea lions if it's sea coast lions? of California, yeah. But there's something near the uh the the house, the the Hearst Castle. There's a beach that Emily and I drove by that was wall to wall. I guess it's sea lions when we went.
0: I'm pretty sure. And
1: it's gotta be a, a certain time of year, maybe a time of day, I have no idea. But we didn't even know. We just sort of looked upon it and saw a bunch of cars. Pulled over with mouths agape, and uh, sure enough, the whole thing and the sound was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was just a bunch of, but uh, imagine one thing going, or, or, and then imagine a thousand things doing that. Right, They're like the sweat hogs, <laughs> <Right. laughs> Mister Carter. <laughs> Very nice on cue.
0: Thank you. All right, Chuck. So what we said, um, there's three basically three predators for the walrus. The Polar bear, which by the way, I saw that a, a walrus can fend off a polar bear with its tusks one on one. Oh yeah. The way that polar bears hunt walruses is they cause a stampede and walruses try to get away from the polar bear and they will trample some, a few unfortunate Whoa. walruses and the polar bear comes up and says, Hey, thanks for the free meal. Man, that's how they hunt walruses. The same thing happens when humans get too close, say, like in a low flying plane or, um, just basically spook the walruses, but they are hunted, um, but very, very, very narrowly by a very small group of people, um, that in UPAC and the UPIC natives of the Arctic area um, in the U.S., Canada, and Russia are basically the only human beings allowed to hunt a walrus. And the reason why is because it's part of their um, cultural tradition to hunt walruses. And when they were forced to stop for about 30 years from the 60s to the 90s, their culture really started to suffer a decline as a result.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that... They are protected as such now over the years there have been um I mean they've been hunting walruses, it says here since the ninth century. Uh, these are oil, the ivory, of course, for art, their skin, uh, and for many years that you know they were being depleted because of the oil mainly uh, that they would use for you know soap or lamps or it says here even machine lubricant All right but we have gotten on board with protecting them uh, along with like you said, Canada and Russia, and uh they're they're doing pretty good now.
0: Yeah, apparently the population stable. They're they're um, listed as vulnerable. I didn't see why, um, because they are almost universally protected by Arctic nations. Um,
1: so and there's uh, not a ton of poaching, a little bit, but it's not like uh, poaching in Africa,
0: right? For their ivory, typically, right? Yeah. So, oh, I think for the reason why it might be climate change. Then that would be the only thing I can see because uh, they're pretty well protected. Um, Reproductively, they're doing top notch. Uh, and that's it.
1: I wonder if when a polar bear is eating a walrus, if they get in there and they're like, Hey, Phil, this thing's, he's got like 2000 clams in him too. <laughs> right. This is bonus.
0: Gold. <laughs> bonus. Uh, and I've read actually that their, um, their meat is like hard, kind of tough, but it's also very lean and supposedly very tasty as well. Really? Yeah, and one of the things the Inupiaq and the Yupiks are known for is using 100% of the walruses that they kill.
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of times, almost all the time with indigenous peoples, they understand the value of a creature sure. and respect that animal. And part of that respect is, I'm just going to take these tusks and kick it back in the water. It's using everything from uh, it's the stomach for a drum, To the skin to cover your boat. Right. Really? Or
0: raincoats, apparently. Yeah. They used to use their, um, what was it? The intestines for raincoats? Yeah. It's pretty, pretty sharp.
1: And apparently these villages too were, um, they were early environmentalists. They would set their own standards for hunting because they knew the value of making sure they thrived.
0: Yeah. I've read this really interesting article. I think on a site called like Cultural Survival or something, and it detailed how the um, the I think the Yupiks and the U.S. government in Alaska over like thirty years came to an agreement finally about hunting on Round Island. Um, but it was pretty interesting. I was like, "Wow, the government really is taking this seriously. This protection they 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 just it wouldn't give at all on any of it." And then finally, the Yupiks were like. Uh, we have to do this culturally. Yeah. This this is not just us being yahoos doing this for fun. Like we have to do this. We're losing like this cultural tradition. So they came to an understanding that apparently is doing quite well. Nice. Just like the walruses. That's right. If you want to know more about walruses, check out walruses on howstuffworks.com. There's a good article on there. And since I said how stuff works, it's time for listener mail.
1: All right, I'm going to call this wonderful email from an 11-year-old kid. We always love these. Hey, Josh and Chuck, I love listening to your podcast, and it brings me great joy every day. I'm 11 years old, and I think your podcast is awesome for all ages and is very informative. I'm learning so many new things. My mom is even surprised. I just wanted to let you guys know how happy you make me and how much fun I have listening to you.
0: Man, this is nice. Isn't that nice?
1: I tell people all kinds of things they never know, mm-hmm. and they're like, wow, how did you know that? And I say, I listen to How Stuff Works. <laughs> so uh, thanks for your time and stay awesome. That is Lucas. Lucas, you stay awesome. You stay awesome, and you start saying stuff you should know instead of How Stuff Works. Yeah. But that's okay. It's
0: close. It's close. The people might eventually find us if he steers into How Stuff Works.
1: That's right. We appreciate it, Lucas, and you're... Uh, If you're listening to us at 11, then you are on the right track, my friend.
0: And stay cool, because remember, we lose them around high school. Yeah. Don't get lost around high school, Lucas, because we'll still be here making episodes. Where will you be?
1: Yeah, and secret, we are cool.
0: Yeah, no matter what your high school friends tell you. Correct. In the meantime, we're glad you're listening to us, and we appreciate the listener mail. Uh, If you want to send us the listener mail, we appreciate. We would love to hear it. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast or at Josh M. Clark. You can hang out with us on Facebook.com slash know or slash Charles W. Chuck Bright. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, know.com.
2: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.